Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlishaw and I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Hello, good evening. How are you doing, Ben? How am I doing? Um, well, it's Sunday evening, which I think is up there. Personally, I think it's the worst point in the week. Um, I will I will say that forever. I think, obviously, except for recording this podcast, as we so often do, or so often have done over the past couple of years on a Sunday evening, other than that, um, it's the worst part of the week. But having said that, I'm excited to talk about Stoke in a way. Um, basically, I'm excited to be in your company. So in, in that sense, I'm OK. How about you? I'm OK. I... I'm uh, grateful for your company and I'm grateful for the fact that I didn't go to the game yesterday and before you all write in I had a legitimate excuse I didn't have I didn't just not want to although part of me didn't want to Um, no no uh, it's been it's been a, a reminder of the fact we support Stoke which is a which is what it is, I suppose. And on that subject of supporting Stoke, earlier today I spoke to Lee Hawthorne from Duck Magazine about a new initiative, idea, thing. It's called SCFC Love is Noise, and I spoke to Lee all about it. Uh, Orphie, thanks for joining us. Uh, I was wondering Welcome. if you'd just uh, start by telling us a bit about Love is Noise. I've, I've had personal thoughts about um, the atmosphere at home games for for a long time now. Um, and then just recently, I noticed a few things online, on Twitter, and on the OK message board from uh, some lads who seem to have similar feelings about maybe um, trying to change something, make something a bit different happen, give another option on match days. So we were getting in touch with each other uh, a few weeks back now, maybe, maybe back in November when the football was terrible. And the atmosphere is just as bad for obvious reasons. And lo and behold, when we kind of announced we had a few ideas, it coincided with Leeds at home, which was uh, very different. Mm. So um, it's very ironic timing, really. But um, the way I would describe it is just an idea at the moment. And it's not trying to be too revolutionary or anything like that. I think, um, how do I describe it? There's, a, there's four of us. We're not mates. We don't sit in the ground with each other. We don't even live near to each other. We just got together uh, with a few suggestions. So I'm, I'm the old man of the group. So for me personally, my kind of aims and plans might be slightly different to the other three. So I'll start with me personally, Dave. And I, I, the way I look at it is any criticisms, criticisms I have of the atmosphere really is more of a state of the nation thing rather than a, a Stoke thing, if you're with me. And I, I believe that more than ever now, fans um, seem to be a bit more impatient, a bit more passive, a bit more reactionary on match days. I do, I do see a lot of fans around me with, with arms folded, uh, in play betting. There's a few fellas me and me watch the horse racing uh, during the match, all of which is, is fine, of course. Uh, and I think a lot of people believe that the atmosphere is entirely dictated to by the performance on the pitch. And I guess us four are coming from a slightly different angle there. Because on occasions like Leeds United at home, you don't need anything other than just the natural state of play, do you? The atmosphere was wonderful that day. Yeah. And if every, every home game was like that, it would be wonderful. Uh, for me, I, I, I compare it to the old days in the sense that, I know that's always dangerous, um, as I'm getting on a bit now. I compare it to the old days in the sense that on the old Boothen end at the Victoria Ground, 
uh, I was brought up on, really. Um, it wasn't always loud, and the performances weren't always good, that's for sure. But there was one big difference, I think, compared to modern match days. And that is that you could choose where you stood and by whom you stood. Uh, and I think things have been a bit diluted uh, in the sense that, for example, at home games now, if you wanted to stand with 10 mates together somewhere noisy, you'd be hard pushed because there were not 10 seats available. And so we've had a bit of criticism online this week for maybe being a bit too contrived with our ideas, which I suppose is a fair point to some extent because organising something isn't cool and it isn't natural. But I'm going to put it like this. At the moment, where you're sat, to some extent, it's completely random, isn't it? And it's contrived by a system which is anything but natural, really. You're just with the people you're with, unless you have a bit of choice over whether you move or not. And so the idea on the beaver end when I was brought up was that you went and stood with the people you wanted to. You know, As a young lad, you'd gravitate towards the back with the noisy, laddish brigade. Uh, and you don't have that chance now. Uh, you kind of are where you are. So our, our point is, Dave, that if there's a part of the ground that's empty and there's a bunch of like-minded fans willing to get together uh, and make a bit of noise, um, somewhere in the middle of balaclavas and plastic clackers and drums, believe me, um, there's a bit of online hysteria, as you expect with everything these days. And that's not at all what we want to do, nothing gimmicky and nothing that's going to get people in trouble either. Um, I stand in Block 19 at the moment, and I'm getting a bit sick of the IRA stuff. I'll be with you. Um, I'll be honest with you. It'll get you down a little bit, really. So getting a bunch of us together, like-minded, people in a, a corner of the ground, make a bit of noise, have a bit of a laugh, is all it is from my point of view at the moment. And uh, it might not work. It might be that 30 people turn up for what we're trying to do, or 300, who knows. Uh, the other three lads, Dave, are maybe got fresher ideas than I have, a bit younger, and I think they're interested in the continental kind of fan culture movements in different parts of the world, and an element of the ultras, kind of passion and colour. So we have, we have other ideas going forward regarding not just a bunch of lads getting together to sing, but um, a bunch of lads who might get a bit more organised, fans in terms of culture with banners, flags, concourse murals, um, and even like some other groups have done it, at Newcastle, for example, become a little bit of a, a force for good in the local area, really. Um, some groups are donating food banks and so on. So there's different ways you can take it. Uh, at the moment, Dave, it's very early. Uh, we're not trying to claim anything um, big's going to happen. We'll just see how it goes. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a few things I wanted to... Uh, kind of touch on the first of that. Yeah, uh, quite a monologue, wasn't it? Yes, that, that's, no, that was perfectly <laughs> all right. You've you've explained yourself really well. The first of which is, I think the the point is uh, completely sound in terms of you know the location of people who want to sing during the ground. I sometimes think mm. maybe not for the Leeds and Derby games, but some other home games we've had yes. maybe this season or last season, where you feel like there could be an atmosphere generated there because because there's the baseline of people who always want to sing no matter what's going on in the game mm. and putting them together rather than uh, spread out maybe would help that I mean not every fan would want to move and not every fan sings because they want to sing with other people they just do it as a natural thing in the game uh, but just to kind of address uh, I mean you had a few 
negative responses on the outcake and then social media mm. and stuff. Um, yeah. I think I think people kind of they bristle against that because uh, any kind of organization within uh, fans kind of they're worried it will be gimmicky. They're worried they'll see yeah, yeah. Uh, ten kids trying to be Stoke City ultras and and be a bit <laughs> yeah. twee and embarrassing yeah. and, and all the rest of it. Um, but I think so, certainly in terms of modern football atmosphere, uh, they might look at Huddersfield Town, for example, and think, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, the cow shed loyals, I think. Yeah, yeah. the cow shed loyals. They might think, oh, they've got yeah. a drum. I'm not sure about that. But they're one of few clubs in the Premier League that actually create an atmosphere. Same with Newcastle yeah. and the flags. They might think, oh, flags aren't for me. But Newcastle created a yeah. decent atmosphere. In but this so, is it, yeah. yeah. This is the phrase, though, isn't for me. So it's all about choice. You know, I, I don't expect anyone to be happy at the prospect of receiving a letter through the door saying you're moving seats because there's going to be a singing section I used to sit. That's, that's not really what it's about at all. Uh, if the ground's full, then we'd be hard pushed to organise anything, and, that, and that'd be fine. I think we're talking about um, putting like-minded people with each other, really, giving them a choice. So I, I suspect, given the correspondence we've had, a lot of it, Dave, in private, has been really positive. Mm. Um, I'd say, I'd suggest 13, 15, 16, 17 people have been really, really interested in this, including a few people who've stopped going to games in recent years because of the lack of kind of vibe on match days, uh, most home games. So lots of positivity regarding giving people a choice. I suspect that there are at least dozens, maybe hundreds of people with a similar mindset to others, but, you know, congealing that is really difficult on match day, isn't it? So it's just giving people the choice to get together like-minded fans, and if there's a kind of default um, baseline noise that goes on throughout the game, so be it. It does no harm to anybody at all, really. Um it's just giving people that choice to sit with people like them. Where I stand at the moment, um, and it is standing at the back of Block 19, it's, it, you know, it's good. We have, we have a, a good laugh most of the time. Um, but I know from correspondence that people are more isolated than that. I sat in the new corner yesterday for a bit of a, a, bit of a test of temperature, and the, the south stand was quite loud, and a bit of noise drifted across from the old booth. And, but then I could see pockets of people standing up in twos and threes trying to get something going. I just thought, well, what a shame there's a, there's a corner of the ground with lovely uh, push facilities and not use them. Get people together a bit and see where it takes us. Mm. So you're planning to, to give this a, a trial run at uh, Reading at home? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Not, we haven't completely confirmed that. The club have been really supported behind the scenes. They don't want to interfere, but they want to help um, please the fans. So Reading at home presents a bit of an opportunity in the sense that we're not expecting the ground to be full um, for various reasons, and maybe the atmosphere won't be the best on a, on a game like that, you know. So we're trying to organise it so that if people want to give this a go and get together and get a bit of a sing-song going, we can do that. Um, and the email address for that, get the plug-in, is noise at gmail.com. Uh, it might not work. It might be that there's 30 people together having a beer and singing, which doesn't have much of an impact, or it might just take off. Regardless, it's, it's, it's a start. It's a bunch of people getting together to have a bit of a laugh and a beer more than anything else. Um, and a long term, where that leads, who knows, regarding 
you know, the, we, we talk behind the scenes about crowdfunding this, that and the other, or um, having a section at some point appointed to a so-called singing section. Uh, but yeah, Reading at Home, if anyone's interested in uh, being part of it or asking more questions about it, we've had some good interest, and uh, just drop us an email. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely... Uh encourage our, our listeners to to at least consider it i know i know it may not be uh for everyone at all but uh, you know it's reading at home the the season's looking like winding into you know not having much for us to play mm. for mate hopefully yeah uh, at the end of, yeah. at the yeah. end of the season so um yeah. as we as with all of these things uh you don't know until you try it do you so mm-hmm. uh absolutely we're, we're, success failure uh i wish you uh, all the best with it because i think that is something we we are lacking we are lacking a bit of uh a, a proper noise at home most of the time yeah of course there are always yeah. exceptions but um uh, thank you very much uh lee for for talking us through that uh of course uh lee is one half of the the duck mag team uh and oh, about, issue... about 10 percent, dave about 10 percent, i think <laughs> Okay, but he's a, a one-man industry. I, right. uh, I, I just work. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Uh, but a new issue <laughs> out this weekend, uh, another yeah. absolute cracker. Yeah, um, I love the fun cover. I, I, hope, mm. I hope people have seen it. I sold the mag yesterday. Good sales outside. Delilah's my normal spot. Uh, Bob, Joe Barbier, he's pulled off a, a bit of a masterstroke. You've got this little Welsh knight, sword and cape. Uh, flying into battle on the back of a dragon and the gloomy backdrop that is the current uh, Bet365. And it's a, it's a cracking front cover. We've got a Tom Edwards interview in there as well. He's opened a bit, uh, opened up a bit to Bunny. And uh, the same kind of um, eclectic stuff, really, about different things, spots of no- nostalgia. Uh, Rob Doolan's done his normal turn this time on the Hoopstra days. And there's a cracking piece in about the uh, geographical, cultural links with Everton and Stoke, Dave Proud was. And, yeah, there's a, there's a good mix. There's a good mix. Um, if I'm just going to plug in, Dave, yeah. um, the next couple of issues we're hoping will be really good as well. So we've got, I hope we've got some good, good interviews coming up, some quite big names we're hoping in the next few months. But the big one for us um, is our 50th. So our 50th issue will be coming out late March, early April, I think. Um, and we're hoping to do something quite special for that. Um, so eyes peeled. Ears open, please, if you can. Lovely stuff. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, mate. So just uh, kind of running off from that interview uh, with Lee Ben, which I know you haven't heard at time of recording, but uh, the question of atmosphere and how do we create it and uh, how do you create an atmosphere without being too gimmicky? Is there anything wrong with being too gimmicky? Where, where, where do you stand on... Uh, the situation at Stoke at the moment? I stand at... Uh, I think it's disappointing at the moment. I think uh, for the Leeds game, uh, I brought along a few friends, one of which was a, he was a Leeds fan, as I've mentioned before. And I've got a distinct memory of uh, going to the Britannia. I think it, we played Wigan. I think I think it was the game where they recorded the sort of volume of the noise of our fans, and they they did the thing where it's like Stoke fans are the loudest. I remember just thinking, wow, I've I've got my mate next to me, and he is literally like blown away by what we are creating from our mouths as a collective, and 
that compared to Leeds, where we are beating top of the league, and I think that the, the atmosphere was good. It was it was it was fine, but if you compare it to sort of back in those days, those those hazy memories of the first couple of seasons in the Premier seasons in the Premier League, it's it's just there's no comparison. We sang all game long. We were raucous and everything, and for whatever reason. Um, well, bad football is probably a lot of it. Getting used to it is a lot of it. But for whatever reason, it's nowhere near that level anymore. So I don't think any Stoke fan should or would say that they want the atmosphere to stay as it is. They, everyone would want it to improve, surely. We want to be that. We want to get back to that point. And what Orphie is doing, I don't know too much about it. I'm, I'm sure you know more than me now after that interview, but... Um, and all the listeners do too. So I'm in a bit of a weird situation where I probably know the least out of all of us. Um, but I think if people want to get together and do it, then do it. I mean, that's a huge thing in, in countries and abroad. I mean, you give it one name here that we're sort of trying to create a collective to do atmosphere. It's just the ultras in Europe. And ultras aren't these sort of always the the likes of sort of what you saw between the Millwall and Everton fans yesterday, that ultras are just oh passionate fans who want to get to a game and have a good time and make some noise. And and that's basically what we used to do anyway. But maybe if you sort of put a name on it, you get the people together and start from that point, then it's it's infectious. Chanting is infectious. The only The only reason why most people don't do it is because the people around them don't do it themselves. So if you create a small group of people, then who knows where it goes? And, and then we might be able to get that sort of, quote quotation marks, a bear pit atmosphere back again. Uh, I prefer a wizard of drivel atmosphere, actually. I think that would be there better. There um, No, no, yeah. Just you, people shouting, your podcast is shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I sh- I'd shout that anyway at Crouchy. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think I think a lot of people have maybe, uh, certainly on the Oatcake thread about uh, Lover's Noise that I read on the Oatcake um they were a bit kind of like, oh, bloody hell, it'll be Clackers next and we'll be like Fulham or a team with a drum and, you know, all the rest of it. And I think there's a... Whenever people talk about organising fans to do anything, there's a kind of like, oh, what if this turns out really embarrassingly? What if we start using words like Fulhamish? What if we call ourselves ultras and it's just ten kids in Stone Island? Um, but... There you go. Uh, I I look forward to the Reading game and hope uh, people get in, get involved with it. Really, because it is those games. It is the likes of Reading at home where we just kind of uh, need a, a shot in the arm and appreciate the the team don't always give us that on their own. And usually, I think think the thing that's best for atmosphere at Stoke so, um, in the last few seasons anyway has been shit refs, and we've had a few, but a shit ref yeah. can properly get the atmosphere going. Uh, but yeah. on the subject of Stoke at the moment, uh, Stoke lost. Um, I mean, I, I tweeted last night that under Rowett, when we lost, I used to get really, really annoyed, as I did under Hughes and Lambert. But, I mean, I'm not really that annoyed. Obviously, I I take issue with many players' performances, and I'm, I'm not happy with... Uh, you know, kind of the the mentality of the squad, I think that's a real issue. But in general, because there's no prospect of us going up 
I'm very little prospect of us going down. I'm not that kind of upset that we lost, no matter how disappointing it was. I don't know about you, Ben. No, I mean, obviously, it's a shame, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, we're in it for the long haul now. I I don't want to get too annoyed. I don't want, I'm not allowing myself to get too annoyed when we lose. Obviously, three out of four we've lost now. Um, so it's not the perfect start for Nathan, poor Nathan, but there's no, like, we can't keep on blaming the managers. I mean, my dad sent me uh, an Economist article. <laughs> <laughs> the other day uh, on WhatsApp and it was about I mean it's in Soconomics too and it was about um, well managers aren't that important it's the players wages kind of thing which a lot of people will know about I'm sure but saying that players are obviously more important than a manager and I replied saying well that's not the same for our dear Nathan um, and unfortunately at the moment it is and I don't think that getting annoyed at the situation is going to help it. And I don't think that at this point, as you say, that I can really care that much when our season has already become what we hated in Premier League, really. Um, except for now, we've got the added excitement of Nathan Jones hopefully being able to turn it around at some point. And I guess that's all there is to it at this point. I mean, I think, obviously, after the Leeds game, we had a fabulous time on the podcast, waxing lyrical about Stoke and saying everything was, was hunky-dory, which is... I think we all said at the time, which it was a it was a lot of rubbish. We were doing it because we really want that we want that to be a marquee moment. I mean, how I don't think there are any other clubs that sort of know their moment when everything started to go wrong. How many times do we talk about that Man City game, that Everton game, that period of time, just look back at the semi final and, and just think what could have happened? Like well, how how has it gone so wrong since then? So we're now at this point where any time we have a good performance or any time that we get like a slice of happiness, we're gonna we're gonna pin we're gonna pin ourselves on that and be like, this is the turning point. Obviously, because we want there to be another turning point. We want to be three years down the road, be like, oh, do you remember that Leeds game where we smashed the champions and everything has been hunky dory since Bojan's got a knighthood. Other things <laughs> have happened. We're we're looking for good the stuff has happened for the antidote to the Liverpool. We are. Uh, semi-final. We're looking for the exact polar opposite of that. And we keep have, we, we keep having uh, false storms or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's very, very rare that those moments just happen. Uh, I'm mm. trying to think, like, that, was there a specific moment uh, under Pulis? People look at the Leeds game in his kind of first season back where we won 4-0 as like the start of something. But even then, it wasn't like everything necessarily clicked all at once. But nothing yeah. really does click all at once. And we've got a squad that isn't Nathan Jones's. Four days left of the transfer window. We haven't sold anyone, haven't bought anyone. So it's going to be a, a case of a, a summer overhaul. And then we have to kind of uh, approach a season, hopefully with a fresh squad. Um, and... That's going to be a tough ask for a manager to get everyone playing the way he wants. Uh, you know, starting afresh when we should should have been starting fresher this season with more money and a bigger name manager and all the rest of it. So promotion's going to be harder next season than it will this. I guess is my point. Um, 
But Jones got criticised a bit yesterday. Some confusing selections. Obviously, Charlie Adam was in the just time and came in for him, which was surprising. Uh, Bojan returned to the bench, but we saw neither him nor Ince come off once we'd reverted back to the diamond, which was, again, a bit confusing. Uh, I don't know how much there is to say apart from fucking penalties. What is going on? It's just so stupid. Uh, I believe the the stat is... I've read kind of various differing stats depending on how far you go back. I've read that we've conceded 41 out of our last 42 against us or or 29 out of our last 29. This is in the league, not um, including that time Jack Butland saved that Hazard pen. Uh, but mm. in front of the... Like from the penalty spot, meanwhile, we have scored two out of our last nine... Fucking hell. What is going on? Right, Ben, how how do you score a penalty? What what should we do? Like should we get them all in a room? Shall we just threaten them? Do we have score a penalty bonus? Do we just not bother? Do we just do what Corinthians do and just say, Oh, you probably didn't mean to foul us in the box, therefore we'll just pass the ball to the goalkeeper because we may as well bloody do that. Well, yeah, exactly. I think maybe that is something that we should look into. I'm, I'm imagining in my head. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember the name of the game. Um, I used to play it at like Cubs and that. Where you, for some reason, you'd have the ball and one person would pass it over the back of the head. Then the next person would pass it under their legs and it would go down oh, yeah. the line. I don't know if you remember that. That's what it's like every time we get a penalty. It's like oh, Atebo's going to take it. No, pass it off to Klukas by Ryan Shawcross. There we go. Why don't we just practice the up and over game or whatever it's whatever it was called? Tweet in if you know what it was called. Just practice that little routine because obviously that's something that we want to do every single time we get a penalty. Pass the ball about a bit. Maybe you fancy it, probably not. Maybe you do. Definitely not because you just missed a penalty. It's it's not that hard, is it? And I'd love to see the next bit of that stat is how many players, how many different players have had their hands on the ball in the sort of moments before yeah. taking a penalty for Stoke City over that time because. That must be close to setting a record. We haven't had like a set penalty taker for a long time, and it's hurting us. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm of the I'm of the thought that I don't understand how any professional footballer is like can't build themselves up to be good at penalties. You kick balls literally every single day of your life. It's twelve yards out. Everyone can pass a football twelve yards if you play at that level. Learn how to pass it in the bloody corner. It's not that hard. I can do it. I can, I can hit a corner. Why, can, why can't Clocus hit it in the corner when I can? I haven't played football for six months. I reckon I could do it. I hit a corner. I might not be able to like hit it that hard or whatever, but I can hit the corner. Learn how to take a penalty, boys. Mm. Come on. I presume you'll have been to the National Football Museum in Manchester, Ben. But in there, you can uh, basically take a penalty against... It's kind of like this computerised wall, but it's like equivalent to professional football net size and what strikes me when you do that is real football nets are bloody massive Mm -hmm. i mean come on and when your job is to kick a ball just kick it in the bloody massive pot i mean some yes there is a goalkeeper and yeah whatever (laughs) i get he's got a job to do as well 
Well, that's Klukas, uh, Afobe, Adam, Arnautovic, Shakiri, Berahino. Uh, who else? Yeah. There's, there's like, there's more, and oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even like. I did think um, when I, re- I was initially reading, oh, a table is going to take this. I thought, oh, a table. I'm not sure, but then I thought. There is literally no one else on the pitch I can mm-hmm. think of right now who can take them. Uh, Fobe was off. Adam was off. Uh, Bojan and Ince were on the bench. I mean, Bojan would have scored. I think we can all agree that. Um, but No chance of missing it. Should we not have given Hesse the penalty against Brighton? Is our current problems all due to the fact we didn't give Hesse the penalty he, he'd earned? Oh, have we been unfair well, on Hesse? I mean, that, he, he, I probably. I think he's got his dream move to Real Betis today. Is it someone? He's got a dream move to another Spanish team somehow. Oh someone in Spain has decided that Hesse deserves money. So maybe they've seen his penalty taken, and maybe they thought we need some of that action. Maybe that's all that we've been missing. I'm thinking on. I don't know when the players go back into training. I don't know if they've got Monday off. So Tuesday morning they will arrive. All right, boys. We're not doing football today. We're going to go Alton Towers. They go to Alton Towers. They all just do that penalty shootout thing and try and hit the top corner. And until they've done it 10 times in a row each, that's when they go home. They'll be there till next next June or oh, something. Oh, fucking hell. But... Poor Ryan Shawcross. Yeah. <sighs> We've always been shit at this. We've always been shit at not having a defined penalty taker or having an argument or... I remember Carl Erfkins and Dunny Higginbottom having an argument over a penalty <laughs> once. It's, it's just pathetic. It's so fucking embarrassing. I was watching the uh, Sheffield Wednesday Cup game earlier and they got a penalty awarded. Uh, VAR overturned it. I just thought, oh, give me some of that, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I even said before it happened, like, we we don't we don't score penalties. It should be one of the easiest things in football to do when we're not doing it. Um, I suppose we could talk about other parts of the game, um, but like I said, I didn't watch it, and uh, I and to be honest, you know, we we want you to enjoy this podcast as much as possible, and we don't want to repeat the same rants that we did two weeks ago. We don't want to. Uh, rant and rave when there's clearly uh you know it's not the manager's fault really although you know there's some valid criticisms for that Preston game it's just it's just exhausting really and so uh, we'll just have a couple of twitter comments chris uh, says you have to question team selection yesterday plus the sub and change of formation two minutes before half times there's a hundred questions to ask about what's going on at the club that nobody seems to have any answers to at the minute. There's no quick fix. It's got to be a rebuild. And Lewis says, honestly, I'm ignoring the losses and enjoying the wins. We all know it's long term, so there's no point getting frustrated and getting my hopes up. I'm better off going again next season anyway. Pods have been great recently, lads. Keep it up. Yeah, that is essentially uh, the point I was trying to make. Look, they, we, there's no point of us melting down uh, for this game. It was shit. Stoke was shit. We are shit. Let's just move on to uh, probably the highlight of my <laughs> weekend. Um, I asked on Twitter, uh, what is the most mundane location in which you've met a Stoke player? 
Uh, now, before we uh, turn to the audience's answers, Ben, do you have any uh, Stoke players that you've met in mundane locations? Goodness me, maybe I should think about it. I haven't even thought about it. I mean, considering the fact that I've hardly ever been to Stoke outside of actually going to the mm. football match, I don't think I have. This was this. I don't think I've ever really seen a, a Stoke player outside of the little bit outside the stadium. I mean, it used to happen more often. Mm. But yeah. This was the, the thing for me because obviously not being local, uh, we don't have the uh, the same you know possibility of seeing them. Uh, outside of the bet three six five, uh, I noticed like we got so many replies, it was fantastic. But uh, I noticed a lot of the same locations kept appearing, and I thought like, right, so if you're the the View Cinema in Newcastle, you've got a good chance of seeing a Stoke player. Uh, Trenton Gardens uh, came up a lot. Uh, there was a lot of shouts for Up Handley and uh, the Arndale slash Trafford Centre. Uh, so I, I, that that's my that's my ends. I've been I've been there all day today. I need to I need to be honestly. The thing is now, and this this shows how obsessive I am with one particular player in particular. But ever since I saw Bojan, that picture of him at the station at Stoke Station, every mm. time I go through, so I, I do go to London a lot. So I go through Stoke Station a lot. I just never normally did this, but I always keep my eye up just to see. Oh, is he is he around there? No, still not there. Same thing happened at Manchester Christmas Markets. Remember, he Instagram story the big Santa Claus. That if if any if any of the listeners are familiar with Manchester Christmas Markets, a big weird Santa Claus made out of lights for some reason, and he took a picture of it. And I was like, now I just need to camp out at the Manchester Markets until I see Bojan. But unfortunately, no mundane location spotting yet. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't really think of any either. But this is why we asked the question anyway, because uh, some of the replies were fantastic and so we'd like to present to you uh, a poem of sorts that I call this poem Stoke City Players plus Mundane Locations. Carl Herfkins, B&Q, Stafford. Daryl Russell, Halfords, Stafford. Matthew Etherington, Liverpool Lime Street Station. Sergei Staniuk, Ikea. Jackie Marsh, Longton Precinct. Mark Chamberlain, the Stoke-on-Trent Garden Festival, Andy Griffin, Bargain Booze, Hartshill, Marco Anatovic, Tesco, Altrincham, he was buying nappies, Steve Simonson, Disneyland, Paris, Nicky Moan, the old Brannigans down near Festival Park, Mamadi Sidibu, Curry's Hanley, Larissa Gerdson, Quicksave, Jeff Cameron, the Nuffield Hospital, twice. Anthony Pulis, Longton Tesco. <laughs> Sorry. Anthony Pulis, Longton Tesco. Johan Boskamp, Longton Tesco, the Cheese Isle. <laughs> Jermaine Pennant, the View Cinema, Newcastle. Alan Hudson, Asda Tungstall. Chris Kamara, Piccadilly, holding a tube of mustard. <laughs> Chris Uilumo, a lift. Dean Whitehead, East Midlands train from Derby to Crewe. Ricardo Fuller, Tesco Express. Oh, I can imagine some of the uh, new listeners after the uh, Nathan Jones special. <laughs> I don't really get that uh, podcast. It was just it was just names and places. I don't like it. Robert Hoon, 
mother care. Ed DeVoy, at work. Kenny Lowe, his house. George Berry, team co-op. Stephen Island, Nando's. Dave Regis, just off junction two of the M5. <coughs> Alan Dodd, Derby Street leak. He gave me a spare dog poo bag. Justin Whittle, the Honeycomb Pub, Micklover. Mark Munieza, Primark, Arndale Centre. Ryan Shotton. <laughs> Stop making that face, man. Uh, Ryan Shotton, Ashcombe Cricket Club. Kenwyn Jones, the Basketball Hoops, Alton Towers. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Basketball Hoops, Alton Towers. The, the main attraction there. Ibrahima Sonko. Keel Services Andrew Davis Costa Weatherby Services For just £8 you can buy the full album of all the Stoke players and Monday locations <laughs> all money will go to us Andy Wilkinson the star in Stone his mates were trying to get him to jump in the canal Salif Chow the queue for Nemesis Alton Towers Kevin Keane West Midlands Safari Park Gordon Banks the men's toilets, Euston Station. Ryan Shawcross. Wow. Ryan Shawcross, Pizza Hut, Festival Park. Thank you very much for listening to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. Ben, do you have a favourite? Oh, goodness me. I mean, Gordon Banks in the in the toilet at Euston, it comes in there as a sort of late favourite for me, I think. Just... I just and I love the recall there because a, a, a lot of those they can't have happened recently. You're talking years ago, but people know you when you see a soap player in a mundane location. You remember it. You remember that place. Obviously, I mean it hasn't happened to you or I. But if I ever sort of bump into Matthew Eddington in Cafe Nero in I saw Nardale, Joe Cole outside Harrods once. I was eating a Krispy Kreme donut. That's my uh, wow. it's a mundane footballer. It's obviously not Stoke specific, but I saw Adnan Yanazai walk out of Selfridges in Manchester, uh, and he was wearing one of those garish blue tracksuits I have ever seen. It was quite simply horrific. Mm. But that is proof. I mean, Adnan Yanazai, what a random footballer to have seen. Mm. But he was there. I saw him. And I remember it. I remember the time and the place. I saw Yul Moweni in the pub this week. Preston and Stoke wow. there. See, well, no, not Preston and Stoke. Preston and nearly Stoke. Uh, but yeah, there you go. There's a connection. Um, you can see why we didn't talk about the the game, can't you? I hope this this is important. Um, oh, I'm thinking there must be more. Yeah, I mean, not everyone surely. has seen that tweet, so get involved. Surely, honestly, if you have seen a Stoke City player in a mundane location, uh, send it in to us. Uh, one way you can guarantee it getting read out is if you leave it as the five-star review on iTunes podcast uh, reviews. So just in your review, leave it as five stars. Write the name of the Stoke player, write your mundane location, and we'll do this again because clearly this is shit-hot content. You won't see... You won't... Yeah, just make make sure it's not like... I mean, a lot a lot of those were a good level. There was no... Sort of all of those places you mentioned, I think, were quite 
boring. Yeah, we don't want anything kept. too exciting. I mean, the one exactly. I sort of came close to drawing the line on was Salif Jal for the queue at Nemesis. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think Kenwin Jones at the basketball hoops, that's okay. Because that's run the mill. Nemesis, mm. have you been on Nemesis? That is class, mate. Salif Jal was in for a good time. Yeah. So We don't want any first-class lounges. We don't want any skiing holidays. We don't want anywhere where the, the rich and famous go. Even some nightclubs, I'm saying, maybe consider it. The Cheese Isle of Longton Tesco... Now you're fucking talking. That's what we want. That's what this podcast was built on. Uh, cheese. Cheese. <laughs> this podcast very much is built on cheese. Uh, anything Anything else, Ben? I think that might be it for us. I think that might be it. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Go on, Stone. <laughs>